All right, let's do the thing. We're literally just vibing, so it's all good, I think. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, hello, and welcome to Idle Talk, the cheer co- the little, little, chill conversational podcast where we talk about reading, watching, and playing in a broken and absurd world. I'm Grace. I'm joined by my regular co-host. Cole, I'm uh, I'm here, per usual. And, and a special guest. Oh, who would that be? Hmm, I wonder. <laughs> hey, we have no idea. It's Chris. Hello, it's me. Oh, geez, that's me. <laughs> Hello. Uh, do you want to, why don't you, like, give give yourself a little intro, just like a two-minute, or, you know, however long you want it to be. Please introduce yourself to the class. Sure, yeah. yeah. No, I always love doing that, standing up and just shaking because I'm a terrible <laughs> public speaker. Um, <laughs> all these goofy little kids looking at me. Um, anyway, it's you, you're the goofy kids. Anyway, I'm Chris Compendio. I am, I guess I'm a, yes, I am a games journalist. I'm currently the weekend editor for Gamepur.com, uh, and I'm juggling a lot of gigs. Uh, I've been on DualShockers, Uppercut, Destructoid, so-and-so. Right now I'm doing a little... Let's say a little uh, copywriting thing uh, to the point where I have uh, styled myself as the Don Draper of video games. Um, there you go. <laughs> we'll see if that title sticks or not. I predict it will not, uh, but we'll see. I, I, you know, put putting forth my card here. I hope it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. That... Judging by the judging by who Don Draper is, I think. Uh, yeah, I think uh, a better um, moniker would befit you. Absolutely, yes. No, it, co- <laughs> it definitely comes with some baggage. A lot of connotations with that title. But um, besides that, uh, I am a big—I uh, don't know what the right Ga- word is. Gamer? No, not. A, I'm. I wasn't gonna say that. I would never say that. Actually, um, I was gonna say uh, enthusiast. But I think that also has some connotations. Uh, let's just say I am very well versed. In both Star Wars and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, I would I would describe myself as the biggest MCU fan who also hates it. <laughs> um, uh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I, I I am literally an MCU academic. I have taught a college course on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, wow. Yeah. No, we also had a there was there was also a Star Wars uh, class, and it was called The Course Awakens. And I'm so mad that our t- oh, no. our name was not that good. So um, you win this round. Um, but that is my those are in the. In the <laughs> In the great battle between varying brands, absolutely of, uh, yes, all, all science this, fiction all, all owned all by the same, same yeah, yes. IP owner. Yes, congratulations, oh. Disney fans! You defeated other Disney fans. Um, yeah, I, I guess those were my uh, credentials, so to speak. <laughs> those, that's the, <laughs> yeah, this just, is why I'm. I think. I mean, I think that more than qualifies you to be on <laughs> this podcast. You know yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm probably so. overqualified. I don't know. I um, yeah, I, I am. I. <laughs> This is why I'm academically fit for this conversation, I suppose. Hey, I mean, you know, we're both, we're, you know, we've, we're, me and Cole, we're academically trained media scholars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't get yeah, it yes. twisted. Yes. Yes, we were. Yes. <laughs> you know, you have to have this high um, in IQ to listen to this podcast, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, in order to, to understand the nuances of the Thanos snap, <laughs> you have to at least take six courses in uh, media theory. 
Uh, I'm going to cry anyway. <laughs> That's me. Snapping with Thanos, <laughs> reading Avengers with Adorno and Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, welcome. We, we've brought uh, our friend Chris on to uh, talk about The Mandalorian. Which is a Disney show <laughs> that came out this year, <laughs> the second season of, uh, and we're gonna spoil it. Um, maybe before we do that, does one of us want to shout out one thing we're doing, whether we're reading or playing or watching or? Whatnot? I mean, I look directly to my left. I see three Darth Vader comics and the newest Star Wars book. So I'm <laughs> I'm on that maximum Star Wars brain rot words <laughs> currently. Nice. The Vader comics, they're good. I'm enjoying them. This new Star Wars book, it's very good. I'm enjoying it, minus the fact that it's really sold on the fact that the Republic and like the Jedi are like good cops and good government doing the good things in the galaxy. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's only but later cool. that they get bad. It's got a cool conceit. I got the hardback, so I feel all special when wow. I read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just got the ebook. Nice. I'm not yeah. putting that on my shelf. <laughs> I, do, I do. I say that, but I have two Star Wars books on my shelf. So the funny thing yeah. is about my shelf. I filled it like two years ago, but it's a deep shelf. So I keep all of my scholarly and like cool books on the in the for in like the foreground oh, of the shelf. Then if you damn. look over all those books, you see like Warhammer books, Star Wars <laughs> books, all the legit garbage I can see. <laughs> the White Sepulchre of uh, <laughs> bookshelves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> goddamn nerds. No. <laughs> who am I to why 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 would I? Who am I to say? Because I am uh, speaking of connected universes. I am kind of going through the remedy connected universe right now. Damn. Uh, All right. Yeah, I I, I, I finished Alan Wake the other night. Uh, I'm pretty much done with Control, yeah. but I got the DLCs to go nice. through. Uh, I as as I speak, I am installing Quantum Break on my Xbox right now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Quantum Break rules. Yeah. Got to watch some TV. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> some with, yeah. that was made on the budget of like forty five dollars. Right. <laughs> you see lots lots of uh, interior shots of offices, with, like very <laughs> just sterile lighting, and shot over um, shot for like forty minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the unaware, Quantum Break is a uh, video game. My Xbox exclusive created by Remedy Entertainment and there's also a TV show that's like part of it and like every time you finish a chapter in the video game it like plays a 30 minute episode of like this 10 yeah, episode TV show it's the penance you have to pay <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh, they, they, um, they just took half the cast from the wire I think uh, is my understanding but um yeah David David chases um, <laughs> Quantum Break. <laughs> David Chase meets Sam Lake. Um, oh man! Imagine, <laughs> imagine. Um, good grief! And uh, besides that, I, I'm reading some Marvel stuff. Like I'm, like oddly, like as, as someone who spent all of 2020 being like, oh thank God, there's no Marvel movie shit. I was like, huh. I'm oddly excited about these TV shows. Let me go read Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, and now I'm like seeking for like. Scarlet Witch Vision stuff to to look out for. Um, yeah, so it's, oh, it's happening again. I was about to recommend that. <laughs> so I think WandaVision's really drawing from this Vision comic that's recently that I read the first volume of mm-hmm. um, and enjoyed it. But I think that author's that writer's kind of an asshole. But I like don't <laughs> remember any specific details. Right. Uh, well, but comics I did writer like that bad. First volume, that's though. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Who'd have thought? It's fucked up. 
Uh, Mad Fraction Hawkeye owns, though. Yep. That's like yeah, that's what I've heard it. I've heard it. Yeah, in fact, I like to read it again. I think about it on the regular. We have all of them. <laughs> and I just look over at my, my comic book shelf sometimes, and I'm like, damn, I could go. I could read Mad Fraction's Hawkeye again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, what am, what am I? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm reading. I got an e-reader for Christmas, so I'm reading a lot. Hmm. Um, currently, I am reading... Uh, East of Eden, the John Steinbeck uh, mm. classic, and I'm reading uh, Elantris, <laughs> the Brandon Sanderson's debut novel, which is uh, truly bad, but also very wild and like entertaining. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that book is um, genuinely ridiculous. And the funny, the funny thing about it is, I came to that after reading like the first book in Stormlight Archives, and right, mm-hmm. which was. Going from some of the best fantasy I've read in a long time to like just some truly gonzo, like I don't, it's wild. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, the 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 understanding of like, oh, and I, I guess a shout. I, the reason I'm reading Elantris is because of uh, my friends uh, Autumn, Nora, and Mark do a podcast called Ars Arcanum, which is about reading through the Cosmere books. Um, and they're currently also in the in the Elantris mire, um, <laughs> and. Uh, like the the understanding of like material conditions in that book is truly like it's just so like there are like revolutions that go back that like return to feudal societies there's like a whole plot line where it's like oh these people are getting food therefore they won't work that's like an important <laughs> plot point at some one point yeah Sanderson's <laughs> got some ideas yeah well I, I think it and there's also a lot of stuff that like makes a lot more sense if you're Mormon um, <laughs> like Brandon is really is really writing from experience, but like pulling that experience out into context where it no longer makes any sense. This is especially evident of like the gender stuff in the book. Truly, I I don't recommend it, but like it's it's yeah, it's really something. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm also I'm reading Black Swan Green, which is a David Mitchell oh. uh, novel. It's kind of a slice of life, mm-hmm. I think, autobiographical about this kid growing up in England. Cool. Um, it's pretty cool. I have you know, read? I any... Oh, go ahead. Was it? Have you read any of Charles Sewell's Vader comic? No, I haven't. I haven't read I... any of the Marvel okay. acquisition comic stuff. Uh, it, it picks up literally right where Episode Three ends, and it be giving me Grace would needs to read this vibes. <laughs> oh, okay. Hmm. All right. There's some stuff. That's good there. to know. There's some stuff. I know there is some stuff in that Vader comic, and some of it I'm grumpy about. But there's some fine. stuff. <laughs> Just in general. <laughs> there's there's stuff. Well, what can you say about Star Wars besides there's stuff? Star Wars is good because in one moment it can have you crying, and then the next moment it can make you want to never consume anything <laughs> under the Star Wars moniker ever again. It really is like that. Uh, speaking of which, let's talk about <laughs> the shared media experience, the, the Mandalorian. <laughs> Season 2. Book 2, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. Sick. They're just doing books sick. for everyone now. You know, like Boba Fett's getting one. I mean... The, the book of Boba Fett? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. They already had that book, and I don't recommend it. <laughs> I think I know what, I think I know what I you're said. talking about. This man this man hates drugs, and he he's a man of honor. <laughs> what? Why... He, Why do he bad be guys hate drugs? Randall Flagg also hates drugs. I just read The Stand, also, I guess, <laughs> yeah. is the thing. Randall Flagg hates drugs, and it makes no sense to me. 
Why do you hate <laughs> drugs, Randall Flag? Uh, you know, who, who knows? Sorry, are we, ta- are we talking about spice or... Uh, yeah, spice. Or death sticks? Because um. there's a... <laughs> in, in the Boba Fett short story in Tales of the Bounty Hunters, he just has a vendetta against like drug users he'll like randomly kill spice users it's just like a long dare ad from the early 90s <laughs> um he's also a man of like he's a man of purity he does he's not you know the, the twilight bathhouses he doesn't oh frequent those oh my god that's a thing <laughs> i hate star wars in so many words yes <laughs> is, i hate is that. that is that what the hol- is cool. that what his holiday special animated segment was about <laughs> I don't yeah. remember it for now. This Tales of the Bounty Hunter book is one of the most wild Star Wars things you'll ever read. IG-88 going through like an existential crisis. Damn. Um, Damn. Is something. Bosk doing Bosk stuff with his toilet papers on his head. Mm-hmm. Do we get any forlorn action? <laughs> no, there's some Dengar. Mm. Yeah, I don't, re- I don't recommend it, but... You know. I I read a uh, it is now non canonical obviously but the Boba Fett young adult series which is right oh, after yeah. right after episode two and before before episode three yeah. where he, he just kind of like uh, I guess Ara Singh kind of becomes like his guardian uh, in a sense and yeah. uh, that you know overlaps with Clone Wars and then obviously that became canonical and not the series but <laughs> <laughs> there are some yeah. there are some wild books that deal with Mandalore, Mandalorian armor, mm-hmm. um, especially from that the whole pre um, Phantom Menace post the original Zon trilogy era of Star Wars right. books in the nineties. Yeah, um, you know you could, you could frequent your local half price books and probably buy all of those together in one haul for maybe twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, read Star Wars books for the rest of your life. Yeah, but never be free. We we've been. You know, we've been reading with our eyes a show. It's Mandalorian show. <laughs> you guys heard of it? Our eyes and ears. It's yes, it's yeah. pretty big. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty big show. Um, do we want to like maybe go through episode by episode? Um, or maybe starting off, we can have like what's what's your general thoughts? Yeah, I think maybe start with the general thoughts, and then we just I don't know if episode by episode, but maybe kind of zoom in a somewhat there. a somewhat linear discussion but not like we talk about this episode critically okay on this one okay because um, like there are some episodes i just don't have there's like an episode two season i just really don't have any t- it didn't do anything for me whatsoever in the sense of having yeah a take mm-hmm. we can follow the structure of the you. show and be like oh before we talk about this uh you got to do something for me first and we just go on <laughs> yeah. i mean it's a fucking video the, game ass show <laughs> we can do a side quest um which actually, I kind of... So he, I, I, guess I dig it. Yeah. My honestly. overall take, I'm pretty lukewarm on it. Lukewarm to bad. <laughs> lukewarm. <I think. laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, the thing is, I was kind of jazzed about the first three episodes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the show's really... Or I don't know if it ever gets, like, good... But I think it gets the most fun when it's kind of like just like a little Star Wars adventure and there's mm-hmm. like a cute creature or a little fun situation. Um, possibly my, I, I think it's, uh, there's a kind of a toss of your, possibly my favorite episode of the season is the spider episode with the frog mom. Um, 
because I just think that episode is like really tight and fun and like does some fun. Like I like the New Republic people being like shitty cops and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's but- good. But like I, but generally speaking, I think the the later you get into the season, the more the show becomes like about Star Wars shit, mm-hmm. right? And like I just don't think it handles that as ele- like elegantly as like Clone Wars or Rebels does. Um, so I'm just not as interested in what the show has to do in there, mm-hmm. right? And it's weird that this has become like the flagship model for like Star Wars going forward. Yeah, sure. So I guess that's my general takeaway. I, th- I mean. I, I really like the second season a lot. And I think, minus a few things, it earned those moments where it really plays with, with the big Star Wars Lego blocks. Um, towards the end, there's a... I mean, if we're in, in, I guess if we're in spoilers, the last episode doesn't really work for me. Um, once you get to like yeah. the 30-minute mark, to the end, I was like, I was pretty tuned out. I like the... I, I don't know. But I think the season overall, I liked it more than the first season. Mm-hmm. I like I like Mando and Baby Yoda's or Grogu's relationship a lot. Like that burgeoning idea of like fatherhood is very compelling and just like very wholesome. Um, and I like the little flourishes that the series does with like the uni- like the Star Wars universe itself, with like the New Republic being like bad cops and like how the Empire is still around and what they're doing. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. like I love the mm-hmm. I love I love the mining camp. Like hidden mining camp in the jungle episode yeah. a lot. That's like probably my favorite, my favorite episode this yeah. season. I think that's probably. I mean, like it's between that those two episodes for me for yeah. favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the only reason the mining camp doesn't clearly take it is because I have some frustrations that we can get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. But Chris, how about you? I thought it was so odd. Like I feel like this is like a. I felt like it was the franchise going through an existential crisis of sorts. It felt like a, <laughs> yeah. It felt like a battle for Star Wars' soul. Like it, it, it felt like a bunch of. Um, it, it tried to be very democratic about it, but it's just like such a weird. Uh, it's it's all of the ingredients, right? It's all of these minds coming together and saying like, "This is what Star Wars is," and it in some ways it kind of merges all of that together. So you got a lot of like OT stuff, a lot of prequel stuff a lot of um mm-hmm. animated stuff and then like you know hints at the sequels but uh <laughs> it doesn't all work together very well at the same time so um it felt like it uh kind of contradicts itself and it, it really shows like when you when you read interviews and when you watch the behind the scenes because everyone has um an idea in their head of like what star wars is and i don't want to say hey, this one person's wrong and this person's right because, you know, everyone experienced it in a different way. Um, But this was, like, I don't know, I guess this was the most Star Wars-ass Star Wars (laughs) ever made, in a sense. (laughs) Um, And it, 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 like, made me question, like, what is the line of, like, too much fan service, you know? Because I thought there were a lot of things in, like, in Solo and Rogue One that were a little too much and, like, I don't think this got to that level. It seemed like they were able to, to kind of, um, you know, to feather it a little more. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird. It's strange. Like I, <laughs> I'm not gonna say I hate it because I did not. There were so many moments that I genuinely enjoyed, but um, it's it's um, 
this feels like the beginning of a new era. It's weird because like it feels like Disney just bought Star Wars yesterday, but... Yeah, honestly. Um, it seems like they are riding the ship, but I have no clue which direction it's going. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think it's... I think... <laughs> I think it's hard. I think it is... It is je- like it is mind melting to me to think about trying to follow up Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> and it's telling you they're just not doing it, right? Yeah. They're just keep doing stuff like way before or like during movie or like whatever, right? Because yeah. like I don't know what you do. Mm-hmm. I you think you and just I'm not don't. saying you couldn't do it, but it's just hard. Like I I get. So I think it is like I think that Identity Crisis, if not, like I don't know if they were going into thinking about Rise of Skywalker, but I think it's evident in like how people are talking about and react and even like the like weird reactionary fan response that's like thank you uh john favreau for saving star wars yeah. right yeah. like that that's that there's this idea that star wars is something that needs to be saved from something it's the right? first time i've loved star um, wars in years the, yeah. the only two the two things star wars needs to be saved from are for the fans like that and from just star wars itself yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah once once capitalism is destroyed, Star Wars can end and <laughs> and we can just all write our own little space operas and have a better time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but no, I think actually this is something that um, that really came, I guess I'm, I'm going to head right into it, really came to a head for me in the finale when Luke shows up. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> and yeah. the thing is, what Luke does in this episode is like, they do a Vader him killing people yeah, it's, it's, a, cool. it's, it's vader hallway scene part two but with robots yeah but with robots and then luke takes a kid away from his father to go be a jedi <laughs> and we all know how that we, turned it, out and we presume that baby yoda might just be in a dead post yeah uh, like we've seen the flashbacks know. in uh the last jedi <laughs> like yeah. we know that this is like something that leads to like incredible horror horror and tragedy right like not only from like the prequels but yeah but like we know that like luke's jedi project is going to fail and in some way like either baby yoda's gonna get out of that or he's gonna die right there's not like a good ending there's not a happy ending for him with what happens in this um yeah but i don't know how much the show feels that or is like aware of that or like i don't think it's aware at all articulate it because it's so because i think like even what's like interesting in theory is like this episode that that part of the episode almost echoes like when luke shows up in return of the jedi Mm -hmm. when he's like force choking people and dressed in black and like it's supposed to be like wait is this guy gonna be darth vader (laughs) right like is that what's happening Mm. and it echoes that but i just don't think that like the language of it is still so like gleeful and heroic, yeah. right? Especially and like, there's that image of like baby, Yo- you know, Grogu like touching the screen, yeah, where Luke is like <laughs> murdering people, right? And like, it's, I just like, I think if, and this is part of it, it's like there's so many things that interest me very specifically about Star Wars, and sometimes it's like I just have to, the show just has to lean close enough to it that I can get invested in it, right? Yeah, and that just didn't happen for me here because sure. I kept feeling like this is like really tragic. Right, and it is sad. I think the show, like, I, I think the show's aware that it's sad, but I don't think it's like the depths of it are quite there. I don't know. It's very frustrating to me because I think that's a moment that could be so effective, and it ends mm-hmm. up feeling like just like fan service, like really. Empty. Yeah, yeah, and and right. the way the way it all played out, just just visually, just didn't register well with me, and that just got me a, lo- a lot about um, that got me thinking a lot about the concept of 
owning a character, owning a property, because you were seeing this guy, and you know, you see the see the X-wing, you see the the robotic arm and the green lightsaber, and it's like, okay, so that's Luke Skywalker. But for some reason, like, it is just not turning on in my head that that is Luke Skywalker. This just seems like I'm being told it is Luke Skywalker, and this doesn't feel um, real. And I, I, it's it's hard yeah. for me to kind of describe that because I felt the same way about. Uh, watching Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka where like there was just something that didn't really feel authentic or credible about it and I'm not sure if those are the right right words Mm -hmm. but I just didn't buy it you know Um, and that's that's a hard debate to have because um, you know you can animate that sequence and be like oh because it's not Mark Hamill doing that does that mean it's it's not like registering your head like you know canonically that is um but when I see Bo-Katan and how it's just literally, <laughs> it's just literally the same it's person. Literally, her voice actor. Yeah, yeah. Exactly so like the same the, as her. Yeah, yeah, there there is a sense of like of credibility of like oh I told that is Bo-Katan to me. She is like living and breathing. She's right there in front of me. Um, I I yeah. totally believe that that is the same character from the cartoons. Um, and then um, um yeah and, and and just kind of a tangent um, I I felt that um I felt. I felt the same way about that whole Luke hallway scene the same way I did in Rogue One, where it's like, okay, I guess that looked cool, and that gave people, like, a reason to, like, you know, cheer and stuff like that, but narratively and thematically, there's really no reason you needed that, like... um, I I, I, I really dislike that scene in Rogue One. Yeah, I think it's, like, to me, that's like the worst part of like my least favorite Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like Rogue One at all. Um, but and- yeah, that scene's like like uh, that's definitely like the last day of reshoots. <laughs> we'll drop this in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it is tricky that like, um, I mean, obviously, like, you know, like I mean, you feel this disconnect when you're playing like Jedi Outcast. And it's like some different voice actor, and it like kind of looks like Mark Hamill, but yeah. his mouth moves sure. weird, right? Yeah. Like it's not this quite the same thing, but like when Luke takes off his hood, it's like yeah, that looks weird. Like it doesn't, it doesn't look right, right? And I think the thing is like, the thing that really gets me is like, what if it was about that? What if it was about it looking weird, right? Not feeling <laughs> right, you know? Like you could do cool things that just things that, but that I think that would require like someone to play with the iconography in a way that like I don't think the Mandalorian is even beginning to be capable of yeah mm-hmm. right that being uh, said if John Favreau commits to the bit in five years from now we just see baby Yoda just get like sliced in half during the fall of <laughs> Luke Skywalker's academy I'd be like alright <laughs> they Damn. did it I guess yeah I mean, that and it's just like it's just is. like a throwaway shot like it just happens. In the There's background. just no way in hell that's gonna happen. But also, no, I, yeah, hell no. That's the so. opening crawl. You don't even see it. It's just, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rogu has been bisected. <laughs> there are also there are also seven thousand star destroyer Death Stars again. Um, let's go. Good grief, Star Wars baby. But I don't know. I'm trying to think of the moments in the in the in the season of Mandalorian that really spoke to me. Outside of being like, as a Star Wars fan, I'm sort of bought in to like be here for some bullshit. So I'm trying to think of scenes that aren't. Yeah, because well, there's definitely like, like I know you, you and me both, Cole, like cheered when Boba does the like missiles that are from Attack of the Clones. Yeah, that's the <laughs> sound. Well, oh, oh the uh, the uh, seismic charges. charges yeah, seismic charge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, those are so cool. And so, like, see, I was like, yo! Yeah. <laughs> it's the, it's Actually, the, the, par, the part I cheered was when he finally used little missiles on his kneecap, because that was, like, in the visual dictionaries that I have. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like, right. oh, they, they actually used it. They remembered that little detail. <laughs> there um, it is. Yeah. And I, and I, like, love, I, I love, yeah, I love seeing, like, Dad, like, Boba Fett, not, he just doesn't really fit in his armor that well. It's like, I don't know. That, that scene was, like, seeing Boba Fett in his armor now was, was like a real don't meet your heroes moment like, this dude looks kind of like looks kind of lame yeah I wish but, you know, I really wish um Timur Morrison got more to do yeah and I'm really worried about that Boba Fett show yeah mm-hmm. I guess we'll like see but it's just it's tricky because like Boba Fett in Star Wars trilogy is a gag like he's a joke yeah. Like, you don't know what the deal with him. Like, Vader's like, no disintegrations. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, this is a real guy. Right? Yeah, and then he gets bopped and then into he gets, a pit. <laughs> yeah, and then he just gets killed in the first, like, 30 minutes yeah. of the next movie. It's it's a gag, right? It's a joke. I literally... And, like, I, I think that's... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, I, sorry. I literally rewatched Empire Strikes Back with the fam a couple days ago. And my favorite moment is when um, Chewie's going crazy when Han is about to get uh, frozen carbonite. And Boba Fett yeah. lifts up his gun, and like in less than a second, Darth Vader's like, "No, no, you, no, kid, just, <laughs> just puts it down." <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's just not a lot to do there, and I think also like, unless you want to make a show about him being a clone, or about him trying to avenge his father, which is like what Clone Wars does with him, yeah. right? I don't know what you do. I don't know what's interesting about him, and that doesn't mean you can't come up with stuff right but there's just not a lot of ground there and i think this is something that this show runs into in a big way is that it's all iconography right there's very little like moments and i think actually maybe the best bit with him is when um he doesn't have the armor yes and he's, like using the tuscan raider yeah. stick and stuff like where you like apparently like you know morrison like came up with a lot of that stuff right and you feel the physicality of it in a way that you don't when he gets inside the armor right mm-hmm. definitely i just don't yeah like it's there's a lot of like there's a thematic thread throughout the season where like everyone gets sort of subsumed by icon <laughs> you know but yeah. like but i the show doesn't isn't doing something with that i think um mm-hmm. yeah i was yeah, i was I think... totally gonna agree with you on on the uh the armorless fight like when i you know he, he yeah. said in interviews like you know he was kind of bringing his like maori culture um mm-hmm. and that like um the reason I like that part is it felt like it was um, filling in gaps, you know? Um, yeah. And because... It's it's a weird thing, right? Because that, that scene was trying to fulfill what people thought he was, you know? And that's not really... Yeah. It's... it's mm-hmm. um, so as cool as it was, like, that, that was... That was, like, the purest fan service ever, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's also the when he's unarmored, like that's a moment. There's like narrative action happening there that mm-hmm. you're like understanding how he survived in the desert on Tatooine. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Like there is like narrative work happening. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't think that's the case when he. I mean, except that like oh, they he beats the stormtroopers that they're attacking. Right. Like it's there's just yeah. not a lot happening there. There's not a lot of like action as narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it shows that he yeah. cares about his, his his armor because at the end of that episode, his armor is still busted and stuff. And then at the start of the next episode, it looks like he just spray painted it nice and clean. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but, but like I just yeah. 
No, I think that's true. I just don't, like, um, think that... Yeah, I just wish there was more there, and I feel like, like... Yeah, like, I wasn't even saying that in a good way. I think in order for it to him see... I, I think it would have been more impactful to see him repairing his armor. It's sort of, like, showing that it is, like... Like, to him, like, as I, it's iconic to us as a piece of icon- iconography, but to the character of Boba Fett, it means something to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, like, a real, you know, you know, religious-ish way as, like, with the whole Mandalore stuff, but he's not Mandalorian, technically. Well, but also, like, I think, I mean, like, you can really, and I, the show kind of gestures to this a little bit when, like, um, Boba lists off his lineage, right? Yeah. But, like, um... Boba's a guy who suffered a really traumatic loss as a kid, right? And, like, <laughs> yeah. there's something that you could... Him, like, finally getting his father's armor back could be, like, a beat, right? Mm-hmm. Emotionally. And it's just not... Like, there's just not a lot of... Yeah. Like, outside, I think, of Grogu and um, Mando himself. I'm, I don't remember his, like, actual name. Because <laughs> you don't know... Din? Isn't it Din? 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 I think so. Din Djarin um, or something. There's not a lot of emotional stakes to what's happening, right? Not yet, um, not at all. So, and I think, you know, and I think the episodes that work best were, are episodes where that's not true, right? Where mm-hmm. you have, like, a side character who is actively invested in what's happening. Like with, you know, Frog Mom, yeah. or Bo-Katan even, or um, the sheriff guy, right? <laughs> or I think the the Mining Colony episode with the... With the Bill Burr is that the guy's name? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The, the, the the table conversation is like the best part of that whole that whole season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, but I think my favorite moment, just a small moment of the whole season, is the scene where they've already commandeered the uh, Imper- the stormtrooper armor, and they're in that transport, and they're driving, and it's like the shot reverse shot of Mando in the armor, looking down at the person. Like when they're yeah. passing the little village or whatever, it's like the kid, and they look. Do they just kind of look at each other? And I think that shot says a bunch of what the Empire is doing on that colony. Right. That well, planet. I think that that's um, like something. And again, like I, well, I'll just kind of go through this because I think that shot is really powerful because it's communicating like Empire comes from somewhere. Yeah. That like technically, and like technically, I don't think these people are like being ruled by the empire explicitly like i don't but they're but they are because they're like the empire is there exploiting their natural resources mm-hmm. yeah. right and so that there's this like immediate relation like material relationship which is something you get in star wars all that much right because it's very sort of grandiose and abstract um that's set up but then like the pirates show up and yeah you which is... pirates, you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and i i like i really thought that was building up to maybe they like that same boy shows up and is attacking him right on the thing and like that's maybe more like gets to a level of moral compl- complicatedness that just that, star like, wars won't go to that is kind of hard for a show like this right mm-hmm. um but i think yeah like there was something that's frustrating about like the way that that episode gets so close yeah it to really something does. really interesting about that and doesn't quite commit to it um I feel like it was very uh, DJ Benicio del Toro and Last Jedi in a little bit. Um, yeah. Well, but the thing is, I I like him being like, oh, we're all just trying to live, and it doesn't matter. And then when it comes down to it, it does. Like when he is sitting at the table in front of his old commanding yeah. officer, yeah, it absolutely oh, yeah. matters. Yeah. Hearing his bullshit, like he's like, I'm gonna shoot this guy because mm-hmm. it yeah. does matter, right? Yes. I think that like there's a really simple setup and payoff there that's actually I think quite narratively satisfying. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Do you have something to expand on there, Chris? I'm sorry if I talked about Oh, uh, not so much. I mean, I, I did like, um, you know, I, I did like uh, how this show is kind of setting up just the downfall of the New Republic, you know? And I think that uh, yes. kind of what Bill Burr <laughs> was saying was... Um, yeah, it, it 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 did. It, it the language is kind of like you know both sides, nothing nothing the same. Yeah, but only, like when, yeah. yeah, but when you think about it, I mean, the New Republic is from the like when you think about the Rebel Alliance, like they are the alliance to restore the Republic. Yeah, uh, yeah. the New Republic has prisoner slave camps. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Like it, it is. They, they, they were. You know, they they weren't really. Um, I, I had to, I had a really long debate with my friends about this, but we we were talking about how um, about the revolution in Star Wars and how um, you know, like the Rebel Alliance, like even though they you know they definitely have like the the imagery of like freedom fighters and liberators and whatnot, like mm-hmm. they are they're, they're really f- just ruled by Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> yeah, sure. They are they are fighting to to they they're fighting to restore the status quo. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and I think that that's something that... And that's sort of, like, what would be compelling in theory about a sequel trilogy is that, <laughs> right. oh, like, they didn't actually stop fascism from happening, yeah. right? Yeah. They just, like, curbed it for a few more years, mm-hmm. right? And, like, what is a more radical... Like, maybe... maybe yeah. Maybe we can imagine a future where not all of these planets and galaxies or whatever are under one holistic rule. Yeah. Right. Like... Mm-hmm. Maybe the people who um, live on these planets, you know, can govern themselves and find what is right for them. Yeah, and I think, like, actually, I mean, the, the thing is, I, I finally wrapped up Rebels while watching Mandalor- Mandalorian Season 2. Mm-hmm. And that show is, like, really liberal in, in, in a deep, deep way. Yeah. But it is also 100%, like, completely textually about an indigenous group of people reclaiming their homeland from imperialists. Like, that's yeah. what the show is about. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. First episode of last episode. Um, yes, that is straight up what it is. Yes. Yeah. Like very, very literally. Right. And I don't think, to be clear, I'm not saying like, oh, the show is like, it's like Avatar. <laughs> it's <super> woke. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, but like, it does have stuff going on there, and like, can and digs into some of that thematically and really like Thrawn, who's a, the kind of becomes the central villain by the end, is like this picture of imperialism. Like he's this guy mm-hmm. who like plunders from other worlds and like admires their art while destroying their people right it's like very you know it's not hard to like read into that into like real life politics right um and i think like rebels benefits from that framing even though like i think like chris is right like the republic the rebel alliance itself at least how like things shake out over the course of how many movies there have been ends up being kind of a you know like almost counter-revolutionary right like a neoliberal force right but i i I think that there's like there's just ways you can gesture at things that are bigger than that and i think like star wars can't actually like be about that but it can gesture at it and like last jedi does that and rebels does it and i don't think this does that makes sense Mm. um but i don't know that's okay i mean in some ways that's fine like i don't i'm not like I'm not watching Star Wars because I'm like, oh damn, like what a potent political text. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, this world where slavery is legal and nobody cares is like very, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, lo- I love I love watching Star Wars where my ideologies are reflected yeah. right back at me. Totally. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but um, but I think that's that's there are moments. I think that's part. It's just like the moments where Mandalorian gets really close. 
and it just doesn't quite get there, right? Always disgraces the surface, um, as with most mainstream media, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, but I mean, I mean do we want to, I don't know, what else? I feel like we've been, or maybe I've been dominating the conversation, but we've kind of down on it. Like, what stuff did work for y'all? Um, that you'd like to highlight or shout out. I, I, I oh, just on like a, oh, sorry. Oh, you can go ahead. I was going to say, on, yeah, um, on a base level, I think the action choreography is more compelling this season. Yeah, has, like, a, I think that's definitely true. A very general thing. Um, and then I think, I did like, just from like a formal standpoint, film-wise, when uh, Favreau chose to use, um, when he chose to shoot scenes on IMAX, in the first episode mm-hmm. to, to create sort of a sense of scale with the crate dragon. I love a good aspect ratio change. <laughs> like yeah. midway, oh, yeah. that's my FX's legion. Just, that's just literally all they do all yeah. the time. <laughs> I want to I see those black bars go up because I know I'm about to be in for some, <laughs> for some good cinema. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I get that. Um, um, yeah, I think that really worked for me. Uh, I don't even I mean it's the season like when I was watching it I was enjoying it but the more I thought about it the less um, hot I was on yeah. it um, well that's also I mean sent me to maybe touch on for my experiences that I was watching this with my parents um, yeah we don't yeah. live together so I was just like texting them while we were watching um, right and that was a way in which I was like connecting with them same. And I, you know, I knew that they would tune in, right? Like, it's something that they care about enough that, you know, and we don't have a lot of shared interests, in, in, <laughs> at least in certain ways, right? And so, like, yeah. that was really nice, right? Being able to just, like, tune into a show that I knew my parents were going to watch and that we could talk about together mm-hmm. afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I think the I think the biggest reason the Luke thing worked for me for, like, a second was because, like, my mom, <laughs> like, legitimately calling me about it and being like, is this actually happening? <laughs> so I was like, damn, maybe it's good. Then I thought about more and it's not. Sorry, Mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think what I really um, enjoyed about this season was probably a lot of the genre stuff they did and just a lot of the uh a lot of the visuals and craftsmanship behind that. Uh, you know, I, I think the example that, you know, the showrunners would probably point to is when they go back and forth between western and samurai in that uh ahsoka episode where it's like yeah right there there you go literally the two main like components of star wars kind of side by side um yeah just just straight up um because uh yeah you know stuff like the the uh the crate dragon and like you know the spiders you know they all feel very ripped from like 70s 80s concept art and just kind of yeah. brought to life and given like you know um uh given their own time to shine and i think that that kind of goes back to um what i was thinking about how everyone thinks of star wars in a different way because it's not mm-hmm. it's not just the thematic part right it is also just the craftsmanship part um Specifically, like if you were literally in filmmaking, uh, to you, like Star Wars, you know, it might not necessarily be the mythology or the Jedi or the Rebels versus Empire stuff. It might just be like uh, making models or um, or just like innovating yeah. any from a uh, 
visual or like a visual effects standpoint uh, and doing, you know, the stunt work and the choreography and the and all of that stuff. Like, I think that the stuff that they did with mm-hmm. the the volume, like the virtual set uh, powered by Unreal Engine, uh, is is kind of fantastic. It's really cool. Um, so, and also, um, uh, uh, I also love how the the episode by Peyton Reed, director of the Ant Man films, has an ant character named Captain Mandible. I think is what his name was. <laughs> Do you remember Captain? Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. I knew the. I, I know there was the Ant Man. Yeah. No, I mean the Ant person in Star Wars. Yes. I didn't know that episode. The... This was specifically directed by Peyton Reed. Yes, I believe the credits. I, I believe like the subtitle said Captain Mandible or something crazy like that. No, uh, that's that's correct. Yeah. yeah I I remember that. Right next to Frog uh, Lady, <laughs> literally in the yeah. closed captioning. And I I. I really like I really like Frog Lady. Yeah. Frog Lady rules. Frog Lady's great. Yeah, I really like that scene where she's like, "No, we have to get out of here," and like rigs the like um, translator to right. talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that I actually I think that whole episode is just really strong, and I think like it's the parallel between Baby Yoda and um, Din slash Mando, and you know frog lady and her eggs is like it's simple but it like totally works for me mm-hmm. right yeah. like i think that stuff is good um this is kind of another two double-edged sword one from my end but i think the religious stuff in the show is interesting i mm. think that the show makes a big thematic deal about when din is willing to break his rules right mm-hmm. and that that revolves around his care for this kid right is is really cool um, I also like when he meets Bo-Katan. Yeah, they like, oh, you're, like, <laughs> you're one of the crazy ones. <laughs> yeah, you're one, <laughs> of the, you're one of the watch, right? Like, I think that's such a... Like, yeah. I, I kind of... I think that stuff is cool, and I actually think the show is, like, surprisingly... And maybe this is partially because it's been so sparse, right? It's surprisingly sharp about... that. Like, I remember hearing people online complain about, like, this is the way as, like, a religious maxim. Yeah, like, this isn't that doesn't mean anything. And I'm like, yeah, you don't know what religious maxims are. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> you know, or at least like it is certain kind. Like you know, for for me growing up, like choose the right was probably the equivalent of that. I'm like, yeah, that also doesn't mean anything. But in a specific cultural context, with like, you know, scripture and like you know sacred texts and like experiences with faith, right? It gains this incredible significance, right? And like, I think the show gestures of that and structures of that in a way that I think is pretty smart and cool um I wish it did more with that I think this is like my constant thing with the show it's like whenever it likes whenever I like something it's doing I just want it to do it more than it ever <laughs> right. does yeah that's, that's, <laughs> you know? that's Star Wars I guess yeah there's just too much to do yeah, I, I mean, feel uh, um <laughs> I have to if, uh, I have to correct myself it is not Captain Mandible it is Dr. Mandible which uh, uh, I think that's is even better yeah <laughs> That's a very good question. (laughs) Doctor of Humanities Mandibles. (laughs) The pediatric doctor. (laughs) Um Yeah. Um I'm trying to think like what if there's Oh yeah, and I also think um I think kinda going along with both uh uh what you both were saying, um I think the show looks better this time around and i think it gets a better sense of like scale i mean you were talking about the imax stuff right 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a few moments like with with the with the spiders, <laughs> and when they're in like the ice cave, right? And with the crate dragon, there's a real sense of like being swallowed up in mm-hmm. something huge, um, that is like pretty evocative and cool, and like doesn't um, happen in the show. Like didn't didn't feel like happened in the show in season one, really, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, yeah, and, that's pretty cool, and I think. I think this show gets a lot more mileage out of moving the camera in like compelling ways. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a scene in the episode, I think it's called the siege where they blow up the last remaining Imperial facility on the planet. Oh, and that was on the first season. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where those speeder bikes, um, they like kind of pop off the cliff and arc down towards the good guys getting away. And like the way the camera pulls back then pans down to show like that that sort of like stomach dropping feeling of those you know speeder bikes kind of crossing that precipice is like m- more compelling than almost anything the camera does in the first season yeah and so so yeah. the straight up crash and burn too which is uh, my favorite yeah. part of that it was very funny <laughs> yeah i think that sequence in general i that oh that episode's also frustrating to me because like i think and it's weird because he uh he directed it I'm yeah carl weathers Carl Weathers, Carl Weathers directed that episode. Yeah. Cook it up stew. Um, <laughs> Rest of development. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, uh, it's weird that he like directs this episode where he is a black man who owns a person. Who right. owns like a, right. a indentured servant. Yeah. And it's, it, right? yeah that, that, that bit, it's like played as like a bit, like oh, I'll take yeah, it's off your sentence so, or maybe I won't. It's so weird. For me. It's very bad. Um, but I also think, but I mean, that said, I, but I think the episode in general is well directed. A lot of the action stuff there works for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but, then like the way the whole, um, sequence in the mining episode, again, the fight with the pirates, the, like the camera is doing a lot, um, throughout that whole fight scene. And then specifically there's like a, a longer shot than most shots in the show. Like the beat by beat editing of the show is pretty fast paced, but there's a, like when yeah. Mando is getting back in to the car from being on top of it, the camera kind of holds there at a distance for a moment. Yeah. That's actually like, was very compelling. Yeah. Uh, and I, I also love in the, in like at the end of that sequence that <laughs> the TIE fighters finally get a heroic moment of a heroic cinematic <laughs> moment, <laughs> swooping down and saving the day. And then like all the cheers and they go in, they're all congratulated. And I don't know, you just, see a bunch of dudes and they're just em- they just happen to be empire dudes that was just such a yeah fascinating <laughs> like moment the, well, yeah the, the bit I think after that... bill the bit after bill bird like smokes the one general and he like he turns and there's the one stormtrooper with like their little cafeteria plate yeah. <laughs> it's like so good yeah. <laughs> well i think i think that's that's part of what makes the episode i think really great is like how invested it is in like um like showing off this sort of material relationship, I guess, like mm-hmm. that, you know, that like yeah, these are all dudes, but also they're evil, <laughs> and like the show makes no qualms about it, even yeah. though it also makes them dudes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like it's cool, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious how um how how Grace like how your parents were kind of reacting to stuff because when I was um when I was watching with my parents because I watched the whole series with them. Uh, more so than the first season, there were a lot of moments of me, like, jumping up or, like, getting, like, oddly excited about things that they were just totally out of there. Like, when Bo- first of all, when Bo-Katan showed up and they, they only saw her as Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica, 
And then she says Ahsoka, like I went kind of nuts. So and then when Ahsoka said Thrawn, like, <laughs> which <laughs> right, was like, yeah. wait, what? Are, what are they even doing here? And then, um, and then yeah, during that whole uh, cafeteria, that that old mess hall scene, um, you know, like when he mentions Operation Cinder, it's like, oh yeah, it's from the video games. Like been whispering to my pa- my confused parents. Um, yeah, a lot more of that this season. That's yeah. what I didn't catch actually. Though. I definitely texted I texted my parents like paragraphs upon paragraphs of some <laughs> lore as well as pictures of these characters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you okay? You went you went more intense than I did because I did like I was like oh this person is this person from Rebels or like this yeah. is that right like I did explain things to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't even catch, like, they didn't realize that it was Boba Fett at the end of the first episode. Right? Oh, right. Yeah. At Tomorrow Morrison shows yeah. up. Right. Which, like, is totally understandable. Right. But He like, plays a yeah, lot of different my, characters um, also. Yeah. Um, my, yeah. <laughs> my mom is, like, the original trilogy is, like, some of her favorite movies. So the, all the iconography from those three movies, she, like, really caught on to, like, knowing it was Luke before it was Luke. Because, like, the glove and the color of the lightsaber and the yeah. Boba Fett stuff. And she's like, didn't Boba Fett get eaten by the worm? And I was like, you know what? I got to tell you a story, mom. <laughs> it's about what happened to Boba Fett after he was swallowed by the big worm. <laughs> so there was that. It's in my book. Yeah, in my bounty hunter book. His his um, his look was very interesting because like I, I guess like it, there's kind of like a greenish hue to his to his skin and like he had some scars and he you know this is because of real life aging but he looks significantly older <laughs> than he should I, yeah. I guess. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, what was I going to... Oh, I think this is... I mean, kind of going along with the thing about uh, parents watching the show, I think this is also part of what makes the show feel so weird is how much... Because, you know, Dave Filoni, who is, like, the lead on all these animated shows, except mm-hmm. Resistance. Um, Dave Filoni. It showed, man. Yeah. The terrible taste in hats. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I respect his look. He's this, man watched, this man watched Indiana Jones is like, this is just me now, I guess. He owns it. It's <laughs> yeah. fine. He owns it. Which, good for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, good for him. You know, and so the show feels like, it feels like very much a continuation of those shows. Definitely. Right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's very clearly trying to be um, a show for anyone who's like getting into Star Wars, right? And I think that balance strikes it in weird ways sometimes because like... Um, and this is what bothered me so much about the Ahsoka episode, besides the Rosario Dawson casting. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, there's some allegations of, of transphobia involving, I think, a house worker. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's documented. Like, you can look it up. There was a lawsuit, um, you know. But um, kind of outside of that, with, like, the media object as, like, a story, Ahsoka could be kind of any Jedi, you know, mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter that it is Ahsoka in that episode. Should have been Plo. Should have been Plo Koon. Should have <laughs> been Plo Koon. Oh wait, I yeah. have to tell you. I have to tell you a story. Speaking of should have been, um, <laughs> Cole knows this. Oh yes. Oh my gosh. Hit yeah. me. Um, but Chris does not. Uh, so the day the man the Boba Fett Mandalorian episode came out, I went on Instagram, and there was fan art of Mace Windu and Baby Yoda and I was like, oh shit Mace Windu's gonna be in this episode of the Mandalorian <laughs> <laughs> and I was psyched out of my mind uh, it was not to be um, a better timeline perhaps 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. That's the thing is, like, some fan service, I'm like, oh, Pasha. But, like, if Mace Windu showed up, you know I'd be psyched. <laughs> one arch, one-armed yeah. Sam Jackson shows up. No, he's got, he's got yeah. two, ro- two robot arms. <laughs> yes. Um... Oh, but just kind of going back to the Ahsoka thing, like, there's that scene where she is, like, your connection with uh, Grogu is too powerful. I can't help right? you, bud. Can't help you. And the thing is, like, I'm like, Ahsoka would never say that. Mm-hmm. Like, what is happening? Yeah. Right? And, like, I don't... And the part of that is, like, my headcanon, right? Or, like, how I'm interacting with that character. But, like, so much of what makes Ahsoka interesting to me is how, like, at a certain point, she fundamentally rejects a lot of the assumptions of what it means to be a Jedi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get into like spoilers with that, but like there's stuff happening there thematically. That's really interesting. And I understand that you can't get into it in the show that like people who probably haven't seen rebels are watching. Right. Mm-hmm. Or Clone Wars. Um, but like, I wish it just at least gestured at that a little bit. Like it feels like a really arbitrary way to create character conflict. I just don't know why Ahsoka is the person in the show, except for like cynical marketing or, like, you know, boosting the miniseries as the common reasons, right? Yeah, like, you know, uh, Dave Filoni's yeah. baby, I suppose, and I yeah. I feel yeah. like a lot of that was focused more on the aesthetic than the thematic. Like, like they they perfectly got, like, the the part where she, like, the, the lightsabers are together and she, like, pulls them apart. Like, that's a really cool image mm-hmm. from Rebels that yeah. was translated yeah. very well into live action, but, like, that's it. And, like, you could even argue, aesthetically, like, you know, Though those, I don't know what you would call them, like around her head, should be longer. <laughs> like if you want to get into like the technical <laughs> they be, stuff. They also, I, I maybe I don't know, maybe the stream was, but they looked very fake to me, uh, which is fine. <laughs> oh, she definitely like, that, that like there's definitely just cosplay. Is like am I, am I at Dragon Con right now? Is this uh, a cosplay? Yeah, well, that's the thing, and like maybe I'm being unfair because part of me is like, if I saw that at Dragon Con, I'd be like, damn, that looks great. Yeah, yeah like, this is the, <laughs> this is the sickest like cosplay. I've seen in my entire yeah, life. this is an incredible mm-hmm. sicker cosplay. But y'all got Disney pockets. Yeah. Um. Dig, 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 dig deeper into them. <laughs> I mean, that Luke, that Luke yeah. looked pretty gnarly. So like, I that sometimes was, I was like, that oh. was Luke. <laughs> really was Luke, Luke with two L's. <laughs> that's bigger this is bigger Luke we've been looking this whole time bigger Luke just looks like this god um (laughs) anyway I I don't care to explain any of those things to those who might not know yeah (laughs) you can look it up Luke L-U-U yeah there's a bigger Luke is he good is he bad find out for yourself yeah um well, I feel like we're, we're reaching the concluding stretch here. I do want to ask one thing, mm-hmm. though, um, if that's okay. Oh, go ahead. I No. Because did, I, I watched that Disney Investor's Day presentation with Kathleen Kennedy. On yeah, Kathleen Kennedy, like, monotone, like, delivering, like, hey, here are the next 20 shows we're doing. Um, and like yeah. in retrospect, a lot of this just seemed like you know building blocks because you know I was like oh sh-. Sure. I was like oh god they're putting they're putting uh, Thrawn and like they're gonna do Ezra and like stuff and I'm like oh no that they're they're just setting up a spinoff and then like I assume oh yeah like yeah, yeah. this not- season of the Mandalorian was like <laughs> most a lot of shows have one backdoor pilot we're gonna have like twelve yeah yeah this mm-hmm. was like this is like the freaking like I don't know Iron Man two of of uh, Star Wars, <laughs> where 
John, yeah, another John no. Favreau joint, is, uh, you know. Uh, that's the that's the one with Mickey Rourke and the, with the whip, the yes. laser whips or whatever. Yes, right? yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That's yep. cin- that's that's cinema. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell just mouthing off. <laughs> the best part of that movie, honestly. Uh, does he get to, Does he get to say a racial slur in that movie? Or is he not allowed to that I don't think so. Elon no. Musk is in it though. Elon <laughs> Musk is in yes. Iron Man too. Yes. Elon yeah, Musk plays cameo. Elon Musk and he shakes Tony Stark's hand. <laughs> Um, oh, great. Good grief. Um, I'm surprised. Yeah, that you know what? I'm pretty su- bad. I'm surprised Elon Musk <laughs> hasn't showed up on Star Wars yet because, like, everyone is showing up on Star Like, the prince is showing up on Star Wars. Lin Manuel Miranda is showing up on Star Wars. And, like, it's. Like Disney era, just seems like oh man, I really love Star Wars. Let me like let me just Darth hit someone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like Tom Hardy had a deleted scene where he like yeah. uh, and like you know Daniel Craig and stuff like that. It's it's just such a, it's a revolving yeah. door now. It is insane. Um, and I think that's yeah. that's 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 kind of like the um, you you want to find a balance of that because. On one hand, like, I remember kind of um, being really excited when they announced a new trilogy because it's like, oh, who, who, they, who can they possibly get? And, like, I remember Ryan Johnson was literally, like, on my wish list of, like, um, who they can get. Mm-hmm. And it's cool that they're looking to, you know, indie directors and they got, uh, you know, like, Deborah Chow and um, yeah. the, the, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember, I can't, I forget, uh, Rick... Um, Rick Fam- Famuyu. Yes, yes, he did. He made. I'm, I'm mispronouncing it, but I didn't want to try yeah. because I I would be really embarrassed because I love his movie Dope and I think the episode he did the season was <laughs> dope. Um, yeah. <laughs> and but at the same time, it just feels like it's Kathleen Kennedy going through a Rolodex, and that's why a lot of the sequels felt very. Um, Disparate, like the sequels feel like it's a different universe than the Mandalorian, honestly. Um, and the fact that like she's kind of going to that role decks again and just like throwing names, like oh, I liked that one movie that they did, so let's just give him a Star Wars, and that obviously worked out with you know Josh Trank and Colin Trevorrow and Lord and Miller, I guess. Um, it's it's <laughs> just like it just feels like chaos, you know. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure. When I think it does. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I will say, though, I think the directorial hand does show... I mean, I think for, like, for my money, those Deborah Chow episodes are the two strongest of that season. Mm-hmm. Um, of the first season? The first season? Of the first season, yeah. Yeah, and I'd say the Rick um, Femi Yua ones are the best of the second. Mm-hmm. Right, and so I, I think there is, like, a... It, but, yeah, but it is weird. And also, I, I think, like... Like, the Mando finale is definitely, like, a Takai uh, Watiti joint. Like, you can tell there's a little bit of that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there is sort of a unifying presence of, like, the aesthetic, right? That yeah, gets, absolutely. Like, yeah. It's a TV show. That yeah. Stuff. Um, um, but, you know, at the same yeah, time. George, I mean, let George Lucas direct an episode. <laughs> let George Lucas direct an episode. Yeah, what if? What if? What if? Um, he'd, see um, all, he'd see all the new CGI stuff and be like, actually, we're just going to use blue screen this episode. <laughs> and I would be so here for that. King! The man reinvented filmmaking twice. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> not Sorry, not to not to stand billionaires on this podcast. But, yeah. <laughs> but I just, I have a lot of affection for Uncle for George. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
you know, probably unearned and definitely not reciprocated. I mean, did, I oh, absolutely. Did, did you see that? Um, did you see that, like, um, he made, like, an unexpected cameo in that he accidentally walked in front of a camera for, like, some, like, academic geology documentary? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did see that. Um, <laughs> Love that for yeah. <laughs> Oh, are you guys are filming a thing here? I can't. I honestly wonder, like, what it's... I guess some of, some of these people, like Timothy Zahn, is obviously writing Star Wars books still. Yeah, um, yeah. And like some people who, but I, I feel like being George Lucas, and I, and also like um, what's his name who co-wrote Empire Strikes Back, like co-wrote Caston, Lawrence Caston, Yeah, yeah, Lawrence Caston. Yes, Lawrence Caston. Um, so like some of those people who are still around, but I just like being George Lucas and like think about like tuning into the Mandalorian. <laughs> it's like what a weird thing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that has to be very odd. Um, yeah, but like but the thing is, he's also been doing it for like since star wars came out you know yeah, mm-hmm. exactly um so <sighs> star wars is right, whatever you want to make it i guess and i think you know I, I guess we'll see hopefully that animatrix show that they're doing will be good yeah, yeah actually yeah. like that that was a sick announcement yeah that's like actually a cool yeah like i like, mean i i i think the image that they <laughs> that was like showed it a thing where it's like the guy standing at the powerpoint <laughs> like they get, there's just like all the logos of the different shows is like the most like soul sucking yeah, yeah it's just so imaginable. it's so bleak <laughs> um but also i'll watch the animatrix show also, also living under capitalism is hayden christensen is playing darth vader in the show yes. where ewan mcgregor is playing obi-wan kenobi it's gonna i'm so i'm gonna be i'm such a fucking mark for that show already <laughs> yeah me too yeah no i was like because the first thing I saw was the Ahsoka miniseries, and I was like, oh, oh man, boy. I'm bummed out. Yeah. Like, I'm out. <laughs> and, then, and then it was like, oh, shit! <laughs> like, my boy yeah. is back! <laughs> Redemption! <laughs> like, there's gonna, oh, I know so. for a fact there's going to be some scene where Force Ghost, Hayden Christensen, and Obi-Wan have a little powwow of some sort, and I'm just going to... Oh, damn! It's going bra- to break my little, my little heart. <laughs> uh, me too. Yeah. God. That's why I've said this many times to two friends, but Obi Wan slash Anakin is my most problematic mm. ship. Yeah, mm. Kathleen Kennedy, read my fanfic. <laughs> you know what to do. <laughs> the thing, the thing is, here's here's in my defense. Here's what I'll say: I don't want Obi Wan and Anakin to get together. Well, I just want Obi Wan to look over at Anakin when they're at a meeting or something and smile wistfully, and that's just text. <laughs> that just happens. <laughs> um. Anyway. Well, uh, thanks for doing this. Have you got any wrapping, concluding thoughts, or should we enter the plug zone? <laughs> I have too many thoughts, so let's just I, just stop me <laughs> right now. <laughs> let's just dip into the butt. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Sounds good. I think we've covered uh, most of the ground uh, that we should be covering here. Yeah, Dr. Mandible um, and Frog Lady. Yeah. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's all that happened this go. season. Um. Well, Chris, do you wanna do you wanna lead off the plug zone here? Anything you're working on that you would like to encourage people to check out? Sure. Uh, I am. I mean, I'm kind of taking a break from personal projects just because I have suddenly found myself with a professional career. It's really weird. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a weird thing. Um, I'm I'm at Compenderizer uh, on Twitter. Um, I. My my podcast procedural conversation is pretty much on hiatus. I had a run of five episodes, and I wanted to do a second run of five episodes, but uh, I just I don't have any time. So uh, that is a TBA sort of thing right now. 
Um, mm-hmm. And again, I had AP Marvel, my academic MCU show, but um, there hasn't really been any MCU, so maybe, maybe not with WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, we'll see. But um, I, mm-hmm. I am looking forward to uh, dissecting some stuff, to being excited, to being cynical all at once, and uh, <laughs> just having my brain completely break at the hands of Kevin Feige. Um, so, that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, all of our brains have been broken by Kevin Feige. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's true. The thing about the MCU right now is that um, maybe it was like taking a year off, but. I'm kind of happy to be at the point where I am looking at news or like watching previews and just going, "What the fuck are they even doing?" And like, but like in a cool way and not in like a cynical way, <laughs> because it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, tell me McGuire's back, uh, you know, like, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, oh my god, should, yeah, do it. Oh, I want to see what you do. <laughs> let's do. It. Yeah, you're gonna do sitcoms. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> that is me, Chris Compendio. All right. <laughs> uh, Cole, how about you? Um, I've I've changed my at on Twitter because I got bored of my other one. My new one is at under or at food underscore enjoyer. <laughs> um, not really context time. there. I'm I like food. I was yeah. So that's my new at. It's vague. It's fine. Um, stars are plugging. Yeah, like. Uh, Nine to five keeps me busy and drained mm-hmm. and kind of depressed. So mm-hmm. not a lot of writing as of yet. Um, I well, did, did publish uh, my f- first yeah, essay of the year last week about NBA 2K21 and how a story mode weirdly resonated with me as the son of two high school athletes who really tried to mold me into being a high school athlete and hmm. left me with a lot of you know trauma, which is mm-hmm. you know, parent parents be like that. <laughs> um, I think it's a pretty good essay. It's on my Medium page, which is linked on my Twitter. So check that out. Besides that, that's all. That's all on my plate in this week's iteration of the Plug Zone. <laughs> all right. Um, well, I can I can wrap up. Uh, you can find me at Grace uh, underscore Machine, and currently I'm I'm writing monthly at PasteMagazine.com. Write about video games over there, and writing at UppercutCrit.com about uh religion and christianity and rpgs and sometimes not rpgs <laughs> um uh but yeah that's pretty much what i got going on plus we got this podcast which is idle talk pod on twitter right yeah never heard of it um yeah damn <laughs> why'd you even come out this? where am i <laughs> what's happening um yeah and that's uh you can send us questions on there or at idle talk pod at gmail.com I believe. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that's it for the plug zone. Um, thanks for tuning in, y'all. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming. It was a delight to have you. Absolutely. Yeah, thank uh, you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was super fun. <laughs> Let's just yeah, do this off mic, honestly. We love, we, love, <laughs> <laughs> we love having guests on. It's always a really good time. Uh, so yeah, I think I think that'll do it. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Well, what do we have here? You must be a new arrival.
Let me guess. Fate of the undead.